For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Town Square Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue. This is a weekly public affairs program designed to keep you informed about important issues affecting Monmouth and Ocean Counties. Now here's Vin Ebenu with this week's Jersey Shore Journal. And a good evening to you. I hope that you've all had a great weekend and I thank you for joining us to discuss the Jersey Shore here on Sunday night. Tonight we're discussing how the Shore Conference is helping student athletes with mental health. Plus, what do we need to do when a situation occurs where CPR is needed? Then Dan Alexander has a look at what's on the Jersey Shore calendar this week. High school athletes today are perhaps facing more challenges than any of us did while we were playing high school sports, or at least knowing more about it and where we can go to talk about it. The Shore Conference is helping student-athletes across Monmouth and Ocean Counties have that forum to address any number of mental health issues from fatigue and burnout to stress to overcoming a slump and so much more. Harry Shabuchin, the president of the Shore Conference and the athletic director at Shore Regional High School, David Zwers, the Coltsnack athletic director at the high school, Beth English, the Manalapin High School athletic director, all joined me for a call recently, a news call to discuss how the Shore Conference is helping student-athletes battle mental health issues. All right, uh, in no particular order here, but what can you all tell me about um, this um, n- new initiative that you guys got with the, the short conference and dealing with student athletes and mental health? Well, you know what? I'll let these two guys talk about it because they are really deep into it and have done a fantastic job. Sure. I just want to mention two things before they got started. We really have two kind of two parts to it. We have a leadership conference that we, we meet every season. So uh, we'll do it. We do it at Freehold Township usually. So th- for the fall, um, every sh- every school in the short conference has brought um, a representative from every team. Okay, we meet and uh, we have um, we call it a leadership conference because it doesn't have to be the captains. We don't call it a, a captains council or anything like that. And um, uh, at the last one, um, uh, Beth and Dave both presented about. Um, everything with the student ambassadors and they'll go into what they presented and things like that. That's the one piece we have. The second piece is our student ambassadors, which is an incredible program um, that um, they've, they've taken over and kind of run with that. I, 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 for me to talk about it would be unjust with what they're doing. It's, it's unbelievable. So I'll let them pick up the, the leadership conference piece. It's not real complicated. It's just, it's a meeting. We bring all the kids, break up at the discussion groups and things like that. Uh, have a guest speaker. We had, um, um, uh, what's Bennett's first name from um, Raritan? Uh, the football oh, Bennett player. Jackson. Bennett, Bennett Jackson. Jackson, I'm sorry. Bennett Jackson, speak to them all last time in the fall. And um, so we try to bring in someone to talk to them at this leadership conference. And then we talk about the student ambassadors. And that's really where these guys can take off from with the student ambassadors. Sounds good. Who wants to go first? <laughs> They're both very so they're good. 
I'm very shy. I'm very shy. Yeah, yeah, that's so shy. Can you guys hear me? Yes. So I'll just talk about, um, you know, the the Shore Conference Student Ambassador Program. We basically started it um, two years ago because the the NJSIAA has a similar program. Um, Theirs, I think, is a little less hands-on. They meet. Um, very infrequently, but um, I guess there's more, you know, it's, it's a prestigious thing. They, they have a they have a selection process as well where you have to apply and, and get selected to be an NJSIAA student ambassador. So we what we decided to do um, a couple of years ago was pick, you know, two students from each school, uh, one junior, one senior, who are basically your, they're your student liaisons to the short conference. Um, you know, we wanted we wanted them to have a direct voice with the athletic administrators. So, you know, every school, all 46 schools in the short conference has two ambassadors um, that they select basically in August. It's a two year term. So, the you know, they don't have to pick a new one every every year because the junior obviously stays on their senior year as well. So, um, like I said, we wanted them to it to be student led, student directed, and for them to have a direct voice with us. So we meet typically four times a year. Uh, you know, and they one of the things we do is we have a direct forum with them where they can we have a Q and A session um, and a reflection session where they can share anything as athletes with us. You know. Um, the Shore Conference Student Ambassador Committee, which consists of anywhere, you know, each meeting, anywhere from seven to 10 athletic directors. And then obviously Harry um, is on every call too, which is really powerful to me that the Shore Conference president is there every meeting because the kids, as a student athlete, you know, to be able to talk directly with the Shore Conference president, I think is really powerful. So you know, that's kind of like the, the, the base of it, you know, why it was created. And then know last year we finally were in person again because the year before was basically all virtual um the last year we we met and you know we really wanted them to decide the initiatives going forward and then you know going into this year so last year in april and june at those two meetings they decided you know one of the biggest issues that was kept coming up to them was student athlete mental health and they wanted to to really focus on that and you know that's been the the driving force this year we've met twice we met in september and we met again right before christmas um and they've you know that from that from those discussions last year um we've we've done a couple of things the the student ambassadors has spawned a subcommittee on student athlete mental health so we have you know the short conference student ambassadors is the larger group where there's two from each school and then because of their desire to, um, you know, kind of jump into this, we've we've developed a short conference student ambassador subcommittee on student athlete mental health. And there's, uh, we, you know, at at the September meeting, I asked any volunteers for that, you know, in addition to talking about it as a large group, did anyone want to kind of dig deeper and be involved with that? And we had, um, we have four kids, we have um a male from Manalpin, female from Middletown, female from Colts Neck, and a female from Neptune um, jump on, and we might have a couple other joining. And um, they developed, with our help, you know, especially Mrs. English, um, they developed a slideshow presentation of resources, of mental health resources that we that were very easily uh, easily shared out, very shareable. 
And what we did um, from that was when we had the uh, leadership conference in, what was the last one? Was it November or no? Was it December? Early December? So the, the winter leadership conference. December, that Harry, December. Yeah, Harry, Harry spoke about the, the, the seasonal leadership conferences. So um, the fall one was in August, so that was kind of too early. But um, at the winter one in December, we, you know, before they had the, you know, it's kind of like it, they don't call it a captain's conference anymore, but that's kind of what it is. It's like, you know, you pick like almost like a captain from each team and, you know, have them there and that you talk about leadership. Like he said, we have a guest speaker every time. Bennett Jackson was the most recent one. But what we did in the beginning before all that, we had the student athlete, uh, the short conference student ambassador subcommittee on student athlete mental health present those slides to that group. Um, and that was really powerful because, you know, one of the slides was, you know, common common risk factors that, that cause mental health issues. And, you know, the two biggest ones were anxiety and burnout. Um, you know, we asked them, which was, you know, these are all the leaders, right? We, we said anyone in the room who's who has felt or experienced one of those two things, raise your hand and the whole room raised their hand. So, you know, and these are the captains. So these are the ones who are, you know, the high achieving, high excelling ones where everyone just assumes, oh, they're, you know, they're the best. They're everything's gravy for them. No, they're, you know, they're experiencing anxiety. They're experiencing burnout for a variety of reasons. I'm sure post uh, COVID is one of them, but you know they. That was very telling and very powerful. That you know, and that kind of I think opened up everyone's eyes in the room. That like, whoa, like this isn't. We need to normalize this conversation, and that's like you know another big, really, initiative of this whole thing is normalizing it. And it's you know, and I can speak to you know me and Beth and a couple other athletic directors did attend the suicide conference at Rutgers. They have an annual conference. And, you know, one of the things that one of the speakers said there was, you know, you don't get depressed by talking about depression. You don't want to commit suicide by talking about suicide. Like you have to talk about it. And if we're going to be at the forefront, you know, I, I look at the short conference as, as a leader in the state, you know, and, and these student ambassadors are the leaders of the short conference. Then we need to tackle these types of things head on, not be scared of it and normalize it. And that's what this group has done. And like I said, we presented at that leadership conference. And then in December at our um, ambassador meeting, the subcommittee, we presented that slideshow again, because some of those kids, there is some overlap. Some of them probably were selected to that leadership conference, but not all. So we presented um, to them as well. And, you know, we had a very powerful meeting in December, again, where, you know, we they, they opened up a little bit. Um, they, they did raise their hand, a lot of hands raised when we asked who's feeling, who has feelings of anxiety, who has feelings of burnout. And, you know, they just, just coming out and saying that you could tell made some of them feel better. And it was also just very informative too, like the slideshow, which I can share with you. Um, you know, Beth did a really good job of kind of putting together resources from a couple different spots, Rutgers being one of them. Um, you know, that was very informative because, you know, you didn't know that they had this. There's a, a text number that you can text and you can talk to a counselor for free at any point. Like some of them didn't even know that 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 kind of stuff existed. So, you know, the sharing out of resources, um, the sharing out of resources and just establishing that subcommittee has been like two of the, the really big accomplishments. 
so far of this year. Uh, Beth, anything you want to add? I, I had uh, just one uh, one other question you could have answered as well if you want. Um, now, this is something for everybody in the short conference, or is this something that high schools can opt into and you know learn about services that they can bring to their particular high school or district? Um, well, the student ambassador, specifically the program that we run, as Dave said, we, we're kind of mirroring it off of the NJSIA. So short conference would be Monmouth and Ocean County. So mm. All of our uh, 40 plus schools are in that. So they have two participants, um, one junior, one senior, depending if it's a, um, you know, all boys or all girls school, each school has a male representative and a female representative, one senior, one junior. So they would serve two years, junior and senior year, and then you replace junior year. Um, and this was something that was established. I'm, I'm kind of a newbie. Um, when it comes to the athletic director world, I'm still kind of new to it, but, um, being a short conference player and ex coach, I kind of, they've totally embraced me and and let me uh, run with some stuff. So Dave had already started this and I kind of jumped on board because I represent the diversity and equity and inclusion committee of the executive board of the short conference and mental health of our student athletes. And I believe diversity, equity, inclusion is a happy marriage, right? Because mental health affects all humans, you know, not only just athletes, not only just teenagers, but across the board right now. But why it's a happy marriage is any group that's marginalized is at a higher risk. So if we're going to start talking about mental health and the issues and the causes of it, then we got to talk about everything that is involved in that. And marginalized groups is definitely part of that. And that's something that we want to also recognize you know, and help move towards a solution and a united front as a short conference. So we are working on unity. We already have a short conference unity pledge that was put in place, I believe, what, boys, six years ago, five, six years ago, the unity pledge? Before the pandemic. Right. So we're trying to play off of that and maybe even become stronger. And honestly, you know, uh, Harry and I were fortunate enough to go to the National Athletic Directors Convention and that was definitely something that was a priority to me to talk about and get resources on, you know, marginalized groups um, and mental health. And really, New Jersey's already kind of in the forefront. So this is something that we're not only going to try to mirror, but create ourselves because there's not too much out there to mirror off of. So we are being very proactive, very, um, you know, progressive in this situation. But what's so great about what we're part of right now is it is student-based. So all of these concerns, all of these issues are coming from our students. So there is absolutely no reason any adult in an educational community should not be listening right now. And let's be honest, this is a a mental health crisis in athletes. This is way beyond high school, right? We're a microcosm of of, of a sports community. It's happening and it's a pandemic, pandemic on the college level. Um, It's finally getting headlines in the professional world where you now have professional athletes standing up and saying. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by Granger. For the ones who get it done.
thing and and they're normalizing it and making it okay to start talking about it. And I just see in my small Manalapin subgroup, you know, I meet with my captains every every month. So the fact that yes, the student ambassadors is short conference, but the fact that Dave and I have a platform every meeting at the short conference to discuss what we're doing. You know, we get constant feedback. I've done two professional developments through the short conference. We do um, professional development for each other. And um, that's something that people can log on. We do it, Harry, once a month, correct? PD? Yes, we do PD once a month um, for all for all um, athletic directors, yep. Right, so we've hit a lot of pieces with not only mental health, but then after time, every time Dave and I present, whether it is to the short conference, whether it's to our to athletes, ambassadors, or our directors, we get constant feedback. They ask for um, any resources that we're getting. And that's really what we're trying to build here is resources based. Um, because if people are afraid to talk about it because they don't want to say the right thing, but that's not helping, right? By ignoring it or just not. So giving any resources, correcting bad behavior and having that open dialogue where it's safe to ask questions and it's safe to not know. Absolutely. Now, this is a fantastic thing you guys have put together here for for student athletes in the short conference. And uh, now I appreciate you taking out the time. This is uh, a lot of great information. So, I mean, if there's anything else you want to add, um, I'll leave the, the floor to, uh, to you, Beth, or Dave, or Harry. I just think it's really great that we're doing it and everybody's involved and for it and very supportive. Like I said, there's constant feedback or people are like, uh, Beth, that was really interesting. Like, could you send me that, what you sent out? So um, I think as a short conference, I think we're the best around, uh, not only in New Jersey, but like national. So I think, like I said, we are, we are being a little progressive and maybe people will mirror off of us. But what we're doing in the short conference, we're now doing in our separate schools. Like I meet with my captains. We have a mental health um, for athletes awareness club where athletes go and talk. Um, so starting that dialogue um, on my Instagram now starting the new year, I have mental health Mondays where I'll either post a fact about a mental health or a resource of mental health um, just to, again, normalize it and put it out there. Excellent. I can echo that about, you know, just the support from the short conference. You know, I, we're like Beth said, like we, we both had two separate committees that, you know, do coincide with this, but you know, we, neither of us are, you know, the, at the short conference executive board meetings, you know, we're not, neither of us are voting members, but we're still invited every meeting and we to give our reports on our committees. And that's, that to me is a very, um, just an inclusive thing to do. And, and, and just that shows true leadership for me from Harry and from all those, you know, the, the guys who have been around longer because that, you know, they could just get like an email report from us, you know, once a month or something and, and be like, no, the committee, you know, the committee's 10 people in a room, but they've like opened up that room a little bit um, more than probably years past. And I think that's really, that shows their, their dedication to not only being progressive, but being like just tackling things head on and being inclusive. There you go, Harry. And I, and I listen, I also think the short conference, I think we're at the forefront of this in the state, maybe even in the country. And I, when I took over and I've, I've only been the president for a few months now, I thought it was important for our executive committee um, that meets monthly that these two be on the executive committee. And as Dave said, I don't want them to report in an email. I want them to be there 
and I want them and I want all the athletic directors to be able to communicate with them, ask them questions on both topics, on both committees, because we really think this is probably one of two of the most important things we do. You know, anything we do to help students is bottom line is what we should be doing every single day. And um, what these two guys are doing, I can't speak high enough about these two, the, the most incredible job that these guys are doing. They really are. They're, um, they're two of the best ADs you'll ever find. Excellent. Now you're all doing great work and um, yeah, appreciate everything too. Uh, th- thank you, uh, Harry, Dave, and Beth. All right. And thank you guys. You got it. Thank you. Good. Thank you. All thank right. You. Thanks See again. Take care. Town Square Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue. Knowing how to perform CPR and use an AED could be the very difference makers in saving a life. Cherie Garrison Jorge, owner of Hands On CPR Training in Tom's River, came to the studio recently to discuss what steps are needed to perform CPR and just how critical it can be in saving a life. Take me through just some of the steps involved with CPR, like, um, so I guess in, in lieu of what happened with the Bill Safety Damar Hamlin, just re, uh, showing just how important CPR is, but in such a moment, I guess, however, with whatever happens, however severe, what are the first steps somebody needs to take if they notice that um, somebody has collapsed or uh, has become unconscious? What, what do they need to do with CPR? Okay. So with CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, the only time we're doing CPR is on a victim who's unresponsive with no breathing and no signs of life. So they are clinically dead. So that's the only time we're doing CPR. It's the only time we're going to use an AED. Um, With sudden cardiac arrest, which is what we witnessed on Monday night, um, it's really important that CPR is started immediately following the cardiac arrest. The faster CPR is started, the better the victim's chances of survival. So CPR with defibrillation, with the AED, that gives the victim the best chance of survival. So you want to continue CPR. CPR is providing blood flow to the victim's organs, most importantly the brain. And then the defibrillation is to hopefully restore that normal heart cardiac rhythm. What are the, I guess, the specific steps that somebody should be taking uh, once they, they recognize all that? Is it it's really, trying to see ensure for help? Do they start compressions right away? That's a great question. So with witnessed event like that, you do want to get help coming as soon as possible because it is most likely cardiac related. The victim has a better chance of survival with defibrillation and early advanced care that's provided by the paramedics or the EMTs. Um, but you do want to start CPR as well. So the victim's best chance of survival, you want to ensure scene safety for you. You wouldn't go on to a scene that was unsafe for you. And as soon as you determine that the scene is is safe for you, you want to assess this victim for responsiveness. If there's no response, no breathing, no signs of life, that's when you want to start chest compressions. Now, if you don't have a barrier device, you would do what's called compression only or hands-only CPR, where you wouldn't, you wouldn't pause to deliver breaths. It's just straight compressions. You want to compress at a rate of at least 100 compressions per minute, but no more than 120 compressions per minute. You want to allow the chest for full chest recoil. Chest recoil is necessary for the heart to return to a normal position so it can refill with blood. So what you're doing with your compressions is you're finding the area on the victim's breastbone above where their heart is located. Your heart is about the size of your fist. 
It's located directly in the center of your chest. You use the nipple line as a guide for your landmarking, and you want to compress at least two inches on an adult. And what you're doing is you're sandwiching the heart between the breastbone and the spine. And with each compression, you're pumping that heart to create blood flow. Uh, what, what are some of the immediate signs that somebody would, um, would be able to see and hear that, to know that the, the CPR was successful? Um, you really visually can't see that the CPR is successful until, in, until and unless the victim does recover and you see signs of life. Signs of life is known as ROSC, return of spontaneous circulation. With cardiac arrest, you're most likely not going to see that with CPR alone. If it's respiratory related, drowning, choking, um, opioid overdose, you have a better chance of bringing that victim back with CPR alone because it normally starts off respiratory related. With respiratory, with a respiratory arrest, you can, you know, you're going to start immediate CPR, and you have a better chance of bringing that victim back with CPR alone. With cardiac arrest, they normally will need defibrillation with the AED. And that's why by law in the state of New Jersey, all schools, all nursing homes or long-term facilities, and all health clubs have to have this life-saving machine. So in, in such a case, would somebody have to try to exhaust all with CPR before they would use an AED? Well, you want to get the AED on the victim as quickly as possible. So CPR is what's considered the holding action mm. until defibrillation, you know, is available. And if you have an AED, you want to know where it's located. You want to know what it looks like. You want to have it easily accessible. It's called PAD, Public Access Defibrillation. And, you know, schools and gyms and nursing homes, by law, they have to have this machine. So they have to have a plan in place. They have to have, you know, a team that's certified and knowledgeable on how to perform CPR and how to use the AED. Whether it's... um like I said, with, with the bill safety or something that, that I know you uh, did over the summer with helping bring somebody back to life, just the immediacy of just being able to get there right away and start CPR to, to save somebody's life and prevent any kind of uh, neurological or respiratory problems. And just how important is all that to just do it right away and know what to do in such a situation? You want to make sure that you take as little time off the chest as possible. Those compressions are what's keeping those, the, you know, the blood flow going. Taking time off of the chest brings that blood pressure down. And then when you go back to start your compressions, you're going to start from zero. You want to keep, it's called perfusion pressure. You want to keep that perfusion pressure high. And that's why they came up with the compression only or hands only CPR. Because sometimes people don't want to assist because they don't want to put their mouth on them. So in that case, that's where the American Heart Association came up with Americ with um, compression only or hands only CPR. I, th I think you touched on it, but just when they're um, applying chest compressions, how how many should they be doing? How can they? What are some maybe some tricks that people can remember to know how to how many to uh, chest compressions, how much to lift up, and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so you want to give even time on and off of the chest. So you want to compress, you want to release, but you do want to keep your hand placement because that helps with minimizing interruptions and compressions. Um, some people use songs to help. Some people use a metronome. I've heard of that. You can install that on your cell phones. Um, but the main... Um, 
the main song that people are very familiar with is the Staying Alive song by the Bee Gees. It's that. I'm not singing on the radio. <laughs> um, but it is, um, you know, it is important to have the correct rhythm because you are acting as the function of the heart. You don't want to compress too fast because then you won't allow that chest to return to a normal position so the heart can refill with blood. And you want to make sure that you get the AED on as quickly as possible, but you want to continue compressions until the AED is ready to go. So if you're with another person, if there's multiple rescuers, one person is continuing CPR, other people are going to help get the AED on the victim until the AED is ready to analyze. Okay. Uh, anything else about uh, CPR, perform putting together CPR that you think people um, need to know about and understand? Um, anyone can do CPR. You don't need a specific certification to do CPR. Um, and anyone can use an AED. You don't need a specific certification to use an AED. You want to look at it similar to like a fire extinguisher. Um, all you have to do is turn the machine on and it talks you through everything step by step. Excellent. Sherry, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Town Square Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Ben Avenue. Now it's time for Dana Alexander to take the wheel and give you a look at what's going on on the Jersey Shore calendar here this week. Good evening, Dan. What's going on? Then coming up Saturday, February 11th, the Barnegat High School Class of 2023 holds their senior class auction in the high school cafeteria starting at 2 p.m. Saturday, February 18th, the Wally Day Parade and Party honors World War II veteran Wally Jameson on his 100th birthday with a parade that starts at Bennett's Mills Road at 1130 and ends at the VFW Hall on Magnolia Drive with a birthday party. Also on the 18th, the Knights of Columbus Council 6392 holds their comedy night and gift basket raffle at the St. Leo the Great Arts and Athletic Center in Lincroft starting at 7. To get your nonprofit club or organization's event listed on the community calendar, click the submit link at the top of the community calendar page on this station's website. For Jersey Shore Journal, I'm Dan Alexander. Town Square Media's Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue. Well, it's time for me to say goodbye and good night, but we do have a full look at what's going on in Jersey Shore news on our free Town Square Media family of apps here in Monmouth and Ocean Counties. Have a great night and a great week ahead, everybody. Take care. This has been Jersey Shore Journal with Vin Avenue, a public affairs presentation of Town Square Media. Join us again next week as we keep you informed about important issues affecting Monmouth and Ocean Counties. If you have a story you'd like us to cover on Jersey Shore Journal, please email the host, vin.evenue at townsquaremedia.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.